Our New Testament lesson comes to us this day from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. We're going to read this passage together, so be aware. Sometimes you'll have pulpit side, organ side, pulpit side, organ side, or all. So pay attention. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now they were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your Your sons sons and and your daughters shall prophesy, prophesy, and and your your young men shall shall see visions, visions, and and your your old men shall shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I don't know about all of you, but during the pandemic, I watched a lot of makeover shows. Started out as like home makeover shows, and then my youngest got into like fashion makeover shows, and so it just became kind of a running joke. To me, there is nothing funnier than a good before and after photo on those makeover shows. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those photos that they use on makeover shows are just 
hilarious. Whether it's a house and like the before is like they just throw all of the clutter from every other room into the one room so it just looks like a hoarder. Or it's the frumpiest picture of someone with no smile, the sourest expression on their face. There's no makeup. The lighting is terrible. And the worst clothes you can ever imagine. Those before pictures are just designed to make that person look awful. And it always succeeds. Always succeeds. The person always looks like life has just run them over. Like, it is not good. And then the after shot shows the same person smiling, happy, makeup, hair did, great clothes. And the difference is always huge, like night and day. The person just looks happier and healthier and full of life. Well, that's what we just read this morning, y'all. The Pentecost story from the book of Acts is our before and after picture of the early church. Did you catch it? So here's the before shot. The members of the early church are confused and perplexed, like they usually are, about what is supposed to come next. You see, the disciples had left the place where the book of Acts earlier had told us that Jesus was lifted by a cloud out of their sight to be seen no more until the end of times. Jesus is no longer with them. Jesus has left the building. After having witnessed this, the disciples return to Jerusalem because there's no better place to be for these disciples than Jerusalem. And they return to a private room and lock the doors to figure out what is next for them. They're down to 11, so they decide to cast lots about who is going to come next to replace Lot. And they choose Matthias, I'm sorry, to replace Judas. They choose Matthias to replace Judas as the twelfth disciple. So there they were, the twelve, gathered with other believers in one place to celebrate Pentecost. In Jewish culture, Pentecost is actually a festival of thanksgiving for the first fruits of the spring harvest. It always takes place 50 days after Passover, And by the time of the writing of the New Testament, it is also associated with the giving of the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. So this means that Jerusalem is packed to the gills. So where the disciples are located is packed to the gills with Jews from every nation. The city is literally teeming with pilgrims who have come to celebrate Pentecost, to celebrate the first fruits of the spring harvest. So on Pentecost, the disciples and other believers are together in a room, safely tucked away, sitting and praying, trying to figure out what to do trying to discern together how they are called to share what has happened in Jesus Christ with the whole world. 
how they are called to tell the good news of Jesus to all the world when right outside their doors the world is gathered. And then, then she comes. The power of the Holy Spirit does not tiptoe into the room waiting for someone to notice her. She does not wait to be invited. The Holy Spirit does not serenely guide the group through a discernment process to reach a decision. Instead, the Holy Spirit rushes into the room, filling the whole house like the rush of a mighty wind, touching everyone with tongues of fire, filling everyone with the power of speech. And before they know it, the believers have forgotten their careful planning. They have abandoned the safety of their quiet, closed-off room, and they are now bursting at the seams to share the good news. Y'all, they are so loud, in fact, that they draw a crowd They made a scene, and in them, the Holy Spirit pushes the news of Jesus out of that locked room into the whole world. That is the aftershot. Before, locked away, scared, frumpy, trying to figure out what they're doing in bad lighting. The aftershot pushed out into the world by the power of the Holy Spirit, literally aflame with passion and zeal for what is to come next. The believers in today's story had no idea what was in store for them. They were not expecting the Holy Spirit to fill them so dramatically. They were gathered for a nice, quiet celebration of Pentecost. But Luke uses the word suddenly. Suddenly things went crazy. Suddenly things got really loud. Suddenly the disciples were out there for the world to see. We're Presbyterian. We don't do good with suddenly. Suddenly is not comforting to us. We, we like what the disciples were doing. Oh, let's decide who's going to be the 12. Let's take some time. Let's sit together and really think through where we're going with things. Let's make a plan. Do you resonate? Do you know what I'm talking about? I can tell you from experience that the sound of a violent wind does not make anyone want to shout for joy. When I was in high school, a Category 4 hurricane blew through my hometown of Charleston, South Carolina. Instead of being smart and fleeing the state like everyone else did, my dad took us downtown right to where the hurricane was coming to take refuge inside the thick walls of the Dock Street Theater, one of the oldest buildings in the city. As the wind ripped through the city, roofs were torn off and windows shattered and the sound of those violent winds just pushed through that old 
echoey building, and it was creepy. The wind howled, and suddenly things happened. Suddenly you could hear the copper roof of the homes around us being ripped from the tops of the buildings. Suddenly you were terrified. Thankfully, obviously, we were safe and sound. But I can tell you the sound of violent winds do not instill comfort in my bones. The sound of violent winds, the sound of suddenly does not resonate with my spirit in my life. My guess is in yours either. We like things to be planned out. I looked at a lot of art depicting our passage this week. And the paintings that held the most truth for me did not show people filled with great joy and excitement at this incredible experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Rather, much like we would respond to the sound of violent wind filling this entire room, these works of art showed people who were confused and perplexed and scared. The paintings that held the most truth for me reminded me that the inbreaking of the Holy Spirit is unsettling. The inbreaking of the Holy Spirit is not always comforting. Does it lead to new and wonderful things? Yes. But is it settling? No. We do not enjoy or appreciate being unsettled. In fact, most of us do all that we can from keep, to keep that from happening. One of my favorite examples of this is the movie Chocolat. In that movie, the director uses the imagery of wind to allude to the power of the spirit at work in the community. The movie is set in a French town, which is ruled over by a very strict count who is assumed to be the moral authority. He keeps everyone in line, tells you what you can and can't do, what is appropriate and what is not. In one particularly powerful scene, the spirit blows open the church doors, but the count very quickly bolts the doors against the wind. For all of his devotion, the count cannot accept the work of the Holy Spirit because he craves order and tranquility above all else. It is the Spirit who blows Vienne and Anouk into town, and it is Vienne who helps, with the help of the Spirit, who is able to breathe new life and freedom into the strict community and even eventually into the count. When we encounter the Holy Spirit, my guess is that we can act very much like those confused and perplexed disciples depicted in art, and very much like the count from Chocolat. For Presbyterians, the Holy Spirit is probably the most uncomfortable member of the Trinity. 
this spirit is too chaotic. It is too unpredictable for those of us who like things to be, what? Decently and in order. For those of us who like to make our plans and honor our traditions. But just as in the movie, the Spirit blows open the doors of the church and brings with her freedom, brings with her inspiration, brings with her passion that fills us and moves us to act, to embody our faith suddenly and without a lot of planning. As the prophet Joel tells us, the Spirit is poured out on all our flesh and opens the door to service and our hearts to hear and respond to God's call in our lives. The text tells us that our daughters and sons shall prophesy, the young ones shall see visions, the old ones shall dream dreams. The Apostle Paul tells us and builds on this, and he reminds the church in Corinth and all of us that the Spirit does not discriminate. The Spirit is poured out upon all people, and everyone receives gifts to be used for the common good. (laughs) All people are blessed by the Spirit with gifts to be used for the common good. And that's where things get risky. We cannot control dreams. We cannot control visions. We cannot control prophecy. We cannot control miracles. We cannot control gifts that are given to each and every individual. On that first Pentecost, the miracle of the Holy Spirit was not that the people could speak all of those languages. The miracle of Pentecost was and is this. Pentecost power breaks through our control. It breaks through our inhibitions to proclaim a fundamental transformation. By the presence of Christ's Spirit, Holiness becomes accessible to everyone, even the fearful disciples, even those who love things to be decently and in order. Human attempts to keep the Holy Spirit contained in one holy language or one holy place will fail time and time and time again. Because Christ's sacrifice sends the Holy Spirit out soaring into the world to inspire, to help everyone dream dreams and see visions. Again, Pentecost power breaks through our control. It breaks through our inhibitions to proclaim a fundamental transformation. The Holy Spirit 
is still with us today. Enabling all of us to preach by word and more importantly, by deed. As we worship this morning, the Spirit is swirling in our midst, opening our eyes to God's work, touching our hearts, preparing each of us for service in the world. Even when we try to bar the doors, the Spirit blows and breaks into our consciousness, inspiring us to risk. As Rocky River journeys through this interim time, the Spirit is at work here. The Spirit is preparing you for a wondrous, new, and amazing future. The Spirit is at work here, helping you to dream dreams, helping you to see a new vision, to prophesy about the power of God's grace at work in your life and how that might ripple out into the world around you. The Spirit is inspiring your hearts and your minds, preparing you for the work that is needed to proclaim God's gracious good news in a new time, in a new place, in a world that has been shaped and reshaped by the events of these past few world years. So friends, what are your dreams? What are your visions? Where is God calling you, maybe even pushing you, to be at work in the world? How is the spirit of Pentecost's power pushing open the doors of Rocky River Presbyterian Church? How is the spirit of God pushing us to spread the good news of Jesus' love for the whole world? On this Sunday of Pentecost, may we have the courage to pray, Come, Holy Spirit, come. And more importantly, may we be open to the ways that Spirit will transform our witness. Because the Spirit will do as she pleases and will be at work in your life in our life so that we may be at work in the world. Amen.